0: Well, good morning. I have a great appreciation after, you know, working on one sermon for, I don't know, six weeks, I don't know how long, that Colin is able to do this week after week and bring us the word, and Mike as well, when he preaches a series of sermons. Uh, But yeah, as I said, I'm Vinny Tallman, and so I'm an elder here at Durwood. Uh, Our family's been coming here since 2001, I believe. And if you would have told me when I first came that I would preach a sermon someday, I would have checked your temperature to see <laughs> if, if you were ill. But that was before COVID, so. Uh, will you pray with me for a minute so we get started? Father, I thank you. Thank you for Durwood Bible Church, your local congregation here in this county that you've put here at this time. I pray that you will uh, help us grow in our love and obedience to your word. I ask you to help me today to share what you would have the congregation here, both here physically and online. Uh, we thank you for your son and your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. So this morning my my uh, sermon's called Pray for One Another. So we're continuing our series of the one another's in I don't know if anybody else had said this over the time. I forget, but there's 59 one another's in the New Testament. So clearly it's important to God that we do things for one another, that in the church, that we are the church, that we need one another. We've had five sermons so far, or six sermons, but three, five one another's, I believe. So we did uh, bearing with one another, serving one another, be at peace with one another, Act with humility towards one another and we are members of one another. I know I've gotten a lot out of everyone who's shared uh, and had their sermons on these topics and was challenged by those uh, where uh, they lead us and how they expect us and Christ expects us to to act. And so today is from Paul and we can show the verse. Uh, So our verse for today is, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. And that's James 5.16. So I thought it might make a little sense to talk a little bit about James, the author of the, the epistle. Uh, he's writing this to uh, Jewish believers and Christ- and, and uh, Gentile believers that are dispersed away from Jerusalem. Um, it's probably a circular letter. that They expect it to be shared at different churches and shared with different folks. And what we know about James, and basically people agree on this, that James is Jesus' brother, that Mary is his mother, that he became a believer after the resurrection. And I believe in 1 Corinthians it talks about James, that Christ appeared to James, and then after that appeared to Paul. Uh, a few things about James, he was called James the just, as far as we know. He had a real zeal for the law and being obedient to uh, the teachings of God in Christ. And he had an extreme devotion to prayer so much so that some people say that he, his nickname was old camel knees. I'll try to say that slowly camel knees. And the reason I mean, a lot of camels in the middle East, the reason is he prayed so often on his knees that his knees were calloused, that he spent that much time in prayer, uh, so, as opposed to being picked on with that name, I'm sure he thought that name was a great compliment that he would be called that. Uh, and so, James does a lot in his book. If you read it, you know, it could be some controversy where James, his book, comes across as a book of works, you know, against a book of faith, where he talks about believing. And some people have tried to make the argument that, see, we are saved by works. But we do not believe that. We believe we are saved by faith. But as James puts it, a faith without works is dead. That someone who has been saved, their heart has been changed, and their affections have been changed, and then they will have good works. They will exhibit their faith by their love and their actions and how they act in their life. And so uh, he talks about that, and he, he goes through a number of things. It's a very practical book. You know, he gives practical wisdom and actions of how we can act out and be Christians in a world uh, that does not love God or follow Christ. Uh, And he shares in this book, if you read it, he shares that we will go through persecution and we will have various trials and it's not a surprise. So certainly this is a book you can spend time in and it can combat some of the things you might hear by preachers that are on TV are talking about the abundant life of a Christian. Become a Christian and things will all be good and things will all turn out the way you desire when we know from reading the scripture that we actually are promised that we will go through trials. And James goes so much to say, uh, be joyful. And you read that as a person who is not a Christian, you know, how can I be joyful by going through trials? But in fact... Through those trials, our faith that we say we have is tested and proved true, and that God meets us and will answer our prayers and bring people into our lives uh, that can show His love and affection at times we need it most. And so, in fact, during those trials, our faith is proven that we have it and that we can count on it. And He, you know, blessed is the man in James verse, uh, chapter one, verse twelve. Blessed is the man who stood the test for he will receive the crown of life. And so we can look forward to that crown of life no matter what we come across in in our daily uh, walk with the Lord. Uh, So now we can take a look a little bit more at the the verse that we're going to talk about. And I wanted to look at the first verse little section first. It's almost, I'd looked at it as like a bookend. So it's a, we're doing a one another and I'm doing pray for one another. But as I'm studying it, well, I guess it could have been a dual one another because it says confess your sins to one another. So we're kind of having two one another's in one. Uh, but the first part, I, while well, I was talking to Jeff before, I probably had three or four different sermons as I've looked through this where the first one is no longer, or, I mean, I have it, but it's not the one I'm talking about. And I think it's because I was focusing on the pray for one another, and then I was convicted. I was I'm looking at the, at, the, at the verse, confess your sins to one another. You know, I have found it over the last couple of years that I've been able to increase my prayer time and pray for others. Fairly consistently thankful that God has allowed me to do that. But when I get challenged by this verse, do I do much of the confess my sins to one another? You know, it seems easy to pray for others. But it is not easy to confess your sins to each other. Not easy for me to confess my sins to Deb, my wife, or my kids. If I do things that I shouldn't or get angry when I shouldn't, do I confess my sins to them? Do I ask them to forgive me? Or do I ignore it? And I might ask God for forgiveness, which we should do as well. God is the only one that can forgive. And all of our sins are actually against God. But people in our lives are affected by our actions and our words. And so that part really convicted me, and so I wanted to talk a little about that. And so, you know, why do we think this part is prefaced before praying for each other? Well, we know what sin is, that sin separates us from God, and it separates us from each other. It doesn't take us long to realize that when we're in a relationship, let's say a husband-wife or a father-daughter or father-son that when we speak harshly, when we react inappropriately there's something between you the room can be filled with that tension of that breaking of fellowship because there's something that is bothering one of the parties and so how much more is that true with God you know we had really great worship music this morning in a Tim knows I like hymns. I think that's probably why I threw a bunch of hymns in there. Uh, but as I was listening just to who God is, you know, I was trying not to get emotional. And I told Deb, when I, if I get to the point and I talk about prayers answered, I said, you got to pray for me. I don't get all emotional up there. Uh, but how great is God? And how forgetful are we that you know, he gives us this book from him to us, his words breathed to his people, for us to read whenever we want in America, without you know, without recourse of the government taking it away, unlike many areas in the world. I don't know if you've seen those clips. You see clips of Bibles coming to China sometimes, in you know, young adults getting the first Bible they've ever had, and just in rooms crying tears of joy that they have a Bible. And so God gives us a Bible, gives us His Son, yet we do our own thing. And our sin separates us from him. And it's interesting that we're a little bit forgetful as well. That as we sin, I find that I somehow think God doesn't know. That my sin is a secret. You know, if I don't tell anybody, if I don't tell Deb, I didn't really sin. But that God knows everything. And he's waiting for us to confess. He's asking us and wanting us to confess and to restore our relationship with him. And it's not a surprise. And it, uh, one verse that struck me as I was studying was David. In Psalms, we, of course, we know that David sinned sin greatly, but also asked for forgiveness often, and God forgave him. But in Psalm 32, verses 5 and 6 from David, I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover my iniquity. I said, I confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly after prayer offer prayer to you at a time that you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. So as I read that, I was struck by the, therefore, let everyone, at a time you may be found. And so one thing we always tend to think as well is I'll have time to make up with that person, I'll have time to make it right with God at the end. But He's saying, "Do it while you have time." And I think you know the imagery is quite clear to me. I don't know if that everyone thinks that. Surely the great rush of waters. Well, what do you think of the great rush of waters? Think of the water and then coming over the Egyptians and killing them all as they chased the Israelites as they, during the Exodus. The rush of waters, and once that water came and. They, they could not reach God anymore because they were out of time. And so that's one thing. So confess our sins to one another. And we want to tie it a little bit to we've been really stressing discipleship at Durwood. That we would be disciples, that we make disciples, that we would follow Christ, that we would look to be obedient, to share his gospel. What's well, hard to confess our sins to others if we don't have a relationship with others where we are close enough to be able to share that. That maybe that challenge, that part of your life that's a challenge, a, a sin area that you struggle with. You know, for me, I can be hot-headed and angry sometimes when I shouldn't. I can look at the world now and see everything that's going on and some of the challenges to our worldview. And you can be angry at people that are exhibiting behavior that you see, you know, is direct violation of God's law. But God calls us to love those people, to love people, to realize that they're lost, that they're lost and they can't see. And we need to pray that God will open their eyes and use us to be people that can share the truth in love with people in our lives. Uh, but we need to know each other. You know, I found, uh, Deb and I are in a life group the last, this year, I think we started. Um, I started going to the men's Bible study on Tuesdays. I guess a year and a half ago during COVID. Uh, And those two things have been really great for me. For the men on Tuesday, that we we share prayer requests. We know what's going on in their lives. It's an area that people can share, and we can pray for each other and know that throughout the week, I'll look at those prayer requests, and I know they will too, and pray for us. Uh, Our life group, the same way, even probably a closer level, there's less people. But I know that that's something that we desire people to have. And I know that we meet after after service and you can find places and we say, reach out, but reach out. Because, you know, if you don't have those people, there are people here that will love to be in that circle with you. As they say, you know, if you want to be someone who has someone to pray for them, then be that person that prays for other people. And that's available here. And I, I pray that you would uh, join a group or share you know, areas of your life with people and be, uh, be there for people. Um, and so I had a couple other verses. And so the Lord, I kind of bookend this with uh, pray, confess your sins, but also then in the second part of the verse, it talks about a prayer of a righteous person. And so we have, I picked out a couple of verses that talk about this. So the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. That's Proverbs 15, 29. And another verse, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So God makes it apparent that he is looking to answer the prayers of righteous people. And we know that we aren't righteous in ourselves, but those of us that have put our faith and trust and called on Christ to save us, that his righteousness is what we count on. His righteousness is counted For us and our unrighteousness was a penalty he paid on the cross. And we're forgiven because of his death. And then we had the power of his resurrection. And so that's one thing that's part of, I think, the confess your sins. If we want our prayers to be heard by the Lord. I know a little bit being, not being Catholic or a Protestant church. I know that sometimes us as Protestants, when we talk about confessing, we think of the Catholic sacrament of confession. You're confessing to a priest, and we, we kind of against that. Hey, I don't have to tell someone else my sins. I can go to Christ directly. Christ is my mediator, not a priest or some other person, which is true. But we shouldn't let that deny the fact that we are to confess our sins to God, and it's good for our soul. And it brings us peace. And i have been to a little bit about peace later. So peace is not just the lack of conflict, right? That shalom, peace in the Bible is like a perfect condition of things being good. So not just peaceful, but perfect. But, you know, perfect relationship. So peace is... Uh, can be that. And so that we can get when we ask for forgiveness because God is quick to forgive and ask for forgiveness from each other. And hopefully, as God says in the Bible, that as we forgive those, you know, that people will forgive us. And so that was the first part that really was convicting. So that we need to uh, confess our sin to each other and prayer of a righteous person is heard. And then the middle section, which is the title of the verse, finally, pray for one another. So I have a couple slides that are about praying for one another and praying. So do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Philippians four, six and one more verse continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, Colossians 4, 2 through 3. And so we're commanded to pray for each other. And this specifically is talking about prayer when people are sick. But I think it extends beyond that. But certainly, is talking about intercessory prayer, where we are praying for other individuals in this context, praying for their healing and the life of the person who is sick. And again, that we go back to, How can we pray for one another if we do not know each other? If we don't know who's sick or suffering, you know, both physically and spiritually, that they're going through things. And so it's like a twofold issue. Do we know who or what to pray for? That's the first issue. And the second issue that I was thinking about, is prayer part of our devotional lives? You know, so if somebody was to come to you and look at you and examine your life, in your devotional life, your spiritual life, what are you spending your time doing? You know, do you have a set time to read the Word every day? Do you have a set time where you're praying for yourself, your family, others, praying for people at Durwood Bible Church? So, if you're to examine your devotional life, you know, do you have one? I challenge myself with this. I challenge my kids and, and Deb. Do we have devotional lives? Or do we, I found years ago that I would meet with somebody, hey, how are you? And they would ask me to pray for them. And of course, I would easily say, oh, I'll pray for you. But was I ever praying for them? And a few years ago, I was convicted by that. And am I making promises that I'm not keeping? Am I simply saying at church or to my friends, oh, I'm praying for you. And then I pray five minutes in the morning. I go about my day. My day ends. And the next day, I give five minutes again. Or am I praying for you? And so I wasn't praying deeply for people. And so through God's work, I've been, been doing better at that the last few years. I find it's very effective with my unsaved friends at work. Then when I talk to them and talk to them and I ask them, can I pray for you? You know, and most people are, well, "Whoa, yeah, sure. You know, then go back to them and, hey, I've been praying for you. How is that progressing? Are you seeing you know any victory? Are you seeing changes in this area of your life? And it's a very effective tool because it's easy to say, I'll pray for you, but it's difficult to, d- to spend that time consistently to pray. So I challenge each of us to do that as well. And people will think, well, how? How can I do it? How can I find the time? Well, our next set of verses we can look at. We have, and because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, "Abba, Father," so you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God, Galatians. So as we are singing songs today, you know, we we say the Lord's prayer, Father, you know, and realize that we're grafted in that. When we become united in Christ and when we call on his name to be saved, we are grafted in. We are daughters and sons of God. And the Abba, Father, when you read about it, it's an Aramaic term, Abba, which is very a close relationship. You know, think of, I think of uh, Deb talks about her grandmother who she loved greatly when she was in her 70s and she talked about her mother. She called her mommy. So that's what we're talking about, that relationship, that Abba, Father, that you are there, that I'm praying in the spirit that you've given me when I was saved by you, and that I can pray in your spirit for people I love and people I know. And as we think about that, we can also think about the fact that Jesus prays for us. You know, Jesus very specifically was always praying. Read the Bible about Jesus. He prayed all night, the night before he picked his 12 disciples. He prays in Gethsemane before the crucifixion. He prays and goes away from people to pray. So if Christ, the Son of God in the flesh, is spending hours praying, then shouldn't we pray as well? But we can take solace in the fact that when Christ is talking In teaching in John, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorifying in them. John 17. I think we have one more. This is a great one. I do not ask for these only. So not just the disciples and people he's living and seeing and following him at the time of his life on this earth. I don't ask for these only, but I also ask for those who will believe in me through their word. So what is their word? Their word is the New Testament, right? Their word is the word of the apostles that we base our belief on. So Christ prays for every person in this sanctuary and online who calls him their savior. He has prayed for you. And if Christ prays for you, we certainly can pray for each other. And we know that God wants to, and desires to answer prayers. That that is his default. The default position of God is to answer the prayers of his children. We can read many places in scripture where prayers are answered. And Jesus challenges us, Matthew seven eleven, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your father in heaven give good things to you and those who ask him? And God is glorified that we ask. God wants us to ask. He wants us to rely on him. He wants us to pray. He wants to be there. He wants to be that person that we believe in with all of our heart and build our life on. That through Christ and the Holy Spirit, we would build our life on his word, and that includes praying for each other. And not only does God glorify it and answered prayers, but our faith is strengthened. And so I just spent a little time, as we were praying, and I had some things I was going to say as well, but I spent a lot of time, just think about answered prayers in your life. When you're in trouble and things you're struggling through trials. Think of answered prayer in your life. I thought of three this week. My mom went into the hospital on Sunday night with pneumonia. I talked to my brother a few times. She's 83, lives in Lynchburg. Um, and I talked to him a little bit and he's luckily, not luckily, fortunately, God's providence. He lives there. He's a doctor. He's able to go see her. Um, and he was sending me texts for a couple days and I was thinking, oh, she's going to be okay. She's all right. And then he showed, and then he showed, shared a little video. And hopefully, Becca doesn't mind saying if she sees this online. But a, a video of my niece who lives in Colorado talking to my grand, my mother on the phone, and Becca was crying. And I was like, wow, maybe Mom's sicker than I thought. I don't. And so I called my brother and said, should I come down there? And he said, I don't know, but maybe. So I took Thursday off and drove to Lynchburg to see my mom and see my brother. And that night, she had turned the corner and the medicine they had given her for her pneumonia started working and she looked quite a bit better. Um, she had a really high white blood cell count. It came down. And so she's seen the corner, talked to her that day. And then yesterday we talked to her, Deb and I on FaceTime, 100% better. It looks like she's going to be released to a rehab hospital in a, in a day or two and spend two weeks there and hopefully go back to independent living. But that's answer to prayer. We're praying for our mom to feel better, and uh, we take it for granted, but that's an answer to prayer. Um, you may know Addie, my middle daughter, plays soccer in college. She's going to be a junior this year, and unexpectedly, uh, two months ago, her coach was fired. You know, leading into this season, hopefully it's going to be a good season. They're coachless. They don't really know what happened. They're going to search for a new coach. They thought they had one. They are going to meet with the new coach last week. Two days before, the coach withdraws their name. No coach. And so, you know, it's a challenge. It's something she counts on. And lo and behold, she has a call this week, and we get an answered prayer. So the men's coach, on his own, was convicted because she goes to a Christian school, felt led that he's going to coach the girls' team this season and the boys' team while they look for a new coach that will take over next year. And, you, you know, so now she's going to get a coach that knows the school, knows her, knows the team. And some uncertainty went away. But God provided. And we talked about this the whole time. And just talking that, Ad, we have to trust that God is going to bring the coach you need, and the coach that's perfect for you. You know, do we have a sovereign God that controls things or not? And so we do. And we kind on that. Uh, and then this sermon. I told you it's been a three or four renditions of the sermon. I'm putting it together, and then hopefully, I've made sense. It's been concise and not too rambling. But I really felt the prayer of many people praying for me, and I asked for their prayers, and I know they prayed because I could feel that I was coming across things that I hoped uh, would benefit the body and be, you know, God's word to us, and especially to myself. So I thank for that prayer. And I know there's many others. And I know you can go through that as well. And that's a practice we should take. We should look and see God's answered prayers in our lives. Most of all, the answered prayer of somebody that we became saved. That God opened our eyes to who he is. Because somebody was praying for each of us that that would happen. And we're praying for people that we know in our family and friends and we work with that don't know Christ, are not saved, and we want their eyes opened. And then to accept him. And we can be confident that God will, as the verse says, that everyone who should be saved will be saved, but that our prayers matter. That our prayers matter, and he wants to answer them. I have a quote as we wrap up by J.C. Ryle. No man has ever said at the end of his days, I have read my Bible too much, I have thought of God too much, I have prayed too much. I have been too careful with my soul. So let us pray too much and read the Bible too much and be too careful with our soul as we go forth from today. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. I thank you so much. I pray that the words I shared were from you. We ask that anybody in the congregation or online that doesn't know you. That their eyes will be opened. That they'll come to the end of themselves in their effort to work out their salvation by good works. But realize that they offer nothing but the sins that we all have. But you're ready to save them. And you promise in your word that whoever believes in the Lord Jesus will be saved. We pray for you to be with us today as we go out. We pray that you'll give us good relationships with people at DBC to grow relationships, to start relationships, to pray for each other. And we thank you for answering our prayers. Amen.